Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the first Ruler podcast of 2020, brought to you by Lacquer, bicycle insurance powered by the community. Thank you for being with us. The pro peloton are warming themselves up for the coming season at their various training camps. There'll be quite a few new faces and a few old faces missing from the start lines this year, including our guest, Adam Blythe. In a pro career spanning a decade, Adam rode for teams like Lotto Sedal, Orica Greenedge, BMC and Tinkoff. He announced his retirement just before the Ruler Classic, which is where I spoke to him, alongside Ruler Stuart Clapp. I should say that the interview does contain some strong language. Yep, I'm done with this sport. <laughs> no, I've stopped. I think I stopped in July pretty much after the Nationals. I didn't do a lot after that, so I came to grips with retiring quite a while ago. I'm happy. I'm looking forward to my future life. I've never had a proper job, so I think I'm going to have one now, which is... How long is it you've been professional? Uh, ten or, years. Ten years? Yeah, ten years pretty much, all in all. So it's quite a long time, really, but it's ten years professional, but racing since I was six. Tw- yeah, 24 years I've been racing my bike, so it's only it's sort of... If you do something for long enough, it gets a bit boring, doesn't it? And it's not that it's boring, but it's just changed, and I've just, I just haven't got the passion that I had for going out and hurting myself in training anymore, which you can't do these days and be a professional bike racer. Well, we, we talked about this before, didn't we, about how, like, you've got three kids now. Does that change your way you race, like where you put your front wheel in a sprint? Uh, that doesn't, no. I think the only thing, like, having three kids, it's just changed my outlook on life a bit. It's, when I was younger and I didn't have kids and everything, cycling to me, that was it. It's like the be-all and end-all. When I've got kids, it just brings a whole new perspective into life and they are and my missus the most important things in my life now and cycling sort of took a back seat and it is very challenging to have three kids and leave them alone just with my missus we haven't got family nearby so that side of it is very challenging on a personal and emotional side of it and trying to juggle that look after my family and be a professional bike rider it was just a head fuck <laughs> basically and trying to do all that to the best of your ability you can only do one of them, and I'd much rather be better at being the best dad in the world than being the best partner rather than the best bike rider in the world. That's bloody lovely, that, mate. Yeah, cheers, and mate. We're, we're a little bit hungover, so... If There'll be tears soon, gonna, won't there? I'll get a bit tearful. I don't know oh. if it's the hangover or it's the lack of sleep, but that's what happens. You only retire once, Adam, and we're only going to celebrate that once. Yeah. So this is your first interview post-retirement. It is, actually, yeah. You guys did well grabbing me. It's luckily it's you, though. Yeah. I've done it for any old chuff. 
day one in the life of Adam Blythe. Started drinking at midday. And then retired by 12 p.m. <laughs> Not feeling very oh, well. God, um, that was awful. Looking back over those 10 years... How much we did go over? It was always going to happen. You're allowed to. You're allowed to. Looking back over those ten years, what sort of you've seen loads of changes in the sport, especially in uh, in the UK, haven't you? Yeah, I think in the UK is really difficult. I spoke to Kelly Parsons yesterday, who run Madison Genesis, and I think through the UK scene, it's it's really weird because you have like these peaks with British teams, like a new team will come in, like NFTO did, bring so much money into it that they sort of buy the best riders, and everyone tries to compete with it. And then they leave, and then you've got like the Madison team that, who always been around forever. So it's really up and down. But I think it's got to the point where in the British scene especially, I think there's just racing's knackered here. We've got all these points that you have to qualify to do Tour of Britain and that kind of stuff. It's like no, pick the best team, and that doesn't matter. Like Swift Carbon, they're a great team, but they're not on the same level as Madison. So no, Madison should do Tour of Britain. There's like a hierarchy, World Tour, Pro Conti. And if you do Tour of Belgium, the Belgian seems to have a qualifying system to do it for the smaller teams. Yeah. It's just, no, this people get this, and that's the way it should be. But you have all these teams which you have to do like Tour Series qualifying. It just takes the fun out of racing. You think the system is knackered and, knackered. and, and the model is knackered. So what's... But... The problem is everyone says that, but no one really seems to have an answer, do they? No, I don't think they do, but I don't think anyone's got the balls to say... or ch It's not the balls, but I don't think anyone's got the balls to just say, right, this is not working. It's live on telly, all these crits and everything, which is great. Mick Bennett's done a fantastic job. Um, but all the Premier calendars, you don't have racing anymore. You just have these teams sort of work... You Obviously, you're working together, but it's working to get a top 10 place in and get as many people in the top 10. It's like, that's not bike racing. Bike racing is working together to get one person to win. And if there's more in the top 10, great. But the ultimate goal, win the bike race. Yeah, win the race. Which yeah. is taken out of British it cycling is, yeah. anymore. Yeah, it's just, let's try and get as many in the top 10. And it's like, great, you've done that, but you've not won the race. It's like all these people that do watts. I can do 400 watts for 20 minutes. Great. Can you win a bike race? No. What's the point of doing 400 watts then? I know you don't have an answer, but um, it, it does seem bizarre, doesn't it? Because there is, you know, the, the, the British riders are more successful than they've been for years. Yeah, they still. Are, yeah. Um, something is working somewhere in the sport, and yet the domestic scene just seems to be a constant source of, of, of despair for a lot of the people involved in it. We sort of touched on this before about how, like, in, in Britain, we can win all three Grand Tours and then have, like, domestic teams just folding left, right and centre, races yeah. going. It's weird, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what the answer is to it. I think it's just the whole model of it has gone a little bit. I think it needs to revamp itself and just get back to basics of let's have a bike race, let's everyone get stuck in. And I think a lot of people should try and will we'll come in with private sponsors. Yeah. A lot of people are going to come in sponsored by bike shops, race individually, and then eventually they'll go, oh, we're getting quite a bit of publicity from this. Let's chuck a team together, a bit like Ribble did. Yeah. At the start, but there's only a few guys, and now it's a whole big team now. So fair play to them. I think they've done it in the right way, but it's very difficult as well for young riders coming in that say, I'll ride for free, and then they ride for nothing. And, you know, there's other people there that got to pay mortgages and things that got other commitments, and they can't do that. And that also takes away a lot of the competition difficult scene the British scene what was it like for you when you went from the British scene into Europe onto the sort of the much bigger stage uh well I never did the British scene so I was well I did for one year in NFTO but I went straight to Belgium learned all my craft there and then just came back for nationals and stuff but when I did do when I came back for that one year with NFTO 
it's just like a it's just like going out on the club when we're your mates. I had the most fun that year than I've ever had in a team. You won loads that year. I did win loads, yeah. yeah. But I think that's the thing. It's just bike racing. Yeah. And I think that's, like I, I said before, you get these teams that come in like NFTO. I think 2014, 2015 were like the good booming years for the British scene. And then after it, it just slowly dropped again because the money went out of it a little bit. It's very different. It's just not, there's not as much money involved. And I think like with anything, if you go for a lower division football team, the money's not there. There's just those little perks that make life easier that they aren't there. But I had a great time. I thought it was great. Bike riding is overcomplicated, I think. It is. You get a jersey, you get a pair of shorts, you might get a bike. If not, you don't. Go win a bike race. If you're good at it, someone will pick you up and you'll do it for a living. You don't need aero socks. Although if you do, I've got some for sale. That aren't actually aero socks. Yeah. They're just normal socks with aero written on the side. The memories when you look back. What was the what, apart from NFTO? What was the what was the the real uh, highlight for you? Do you think winning nationals was good? Ride London was good. Anything that I've won was technically very good. But there was one year in particular when I was with uh, BMC, and I was coming to the end of the season, and we had Franco Belge coming up. And the year before, I'd won it. Two years ago, I'd won it. So I was like, right, I need to do a good ride. Yeah, I need to pull some out of the bag, I like this race, I can do it. It's the first day, so it's like the end of the season, and normally what happens is at the end of the season, everyone brings like a couple of bottles of wine in the suitcase in the evening, you sit down, a couple of bottles of wine, start again, you don't have that nowadays because everyone's serious. So he did that, and I was like, right guys, I'm not drinking. Tomorrow I've got to do a good result. Anyway, 11 minutes down first day. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that, I was like, right, I'm drinking then. Yeah. And then the next two days, I've got two seconds. Oh, there you go. So I was like, right, this, this is great, because it's the stress about wanting to do well didn't work for me. And then when I stopped stressing, I was really good. So that was a good highlight. And then two days later, I won bench, tournay bench off a, off a big bender whilst I was on the team. But that wasn't good, that, because then I realised I could race on with a bit of a hangover and drinking a bit, which didn't wasn't great, really. I mean, it was fucking good, because I won a load of races, but it wasn't good, because I thought, oh, yeah, I can have a drink, it's fine wasn't we were talking about your uh, uh the ride london event and w- winning that because that that group that you were in the breakaway yeah we had end, a look at a picture earlier there's didn't we? There's, there's quite there's uh gilbert's in it yep which you, that, that was the smartest move i think adam always raced really smart as as like i'm cause i'm a fanboy right so i i watch it from a perspective of this so adam's that sprint massive underdog you're riding for an nfto you're in there yeah bmc Quack step, they're all in there. Quack step, BMC, and um, liquid gas. I remember saying I watched it with my mate, who actually can do. He can do an impression of your celebratory. You were quite crutch first with your with your your winning. Yeah, it's like ar- a, arms open. It's like a Sheffield thing, I think. Swifty does it as well when he wins. It's like arms. He spread. does. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, and my mate does an impression that we would, when I watched it with him, and I remember saying, "I reckon Adam's got this," and he was yeah. like, "Gilbert's in there, like." You know, he, it's Gilbert, right? He, he can Anna win, win well. anywhere. Anna Philippe, that's not bad. Swifty. Swifty. Yeah. They've all done all right since Caruso. then. Well, I think you might have taught them a lesson that day and it's probably up, they had to up their game. Yeah, they needed up to. Up their yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so they... Um, so, oh. But that was a good win because you... We, we talked about it earlier and how close you passed yeah. everyone which put Gilbert next to the barrier. And the barrier, So he yeah. couldn't come out. Bust or nothing. Yeah, it was good. It was weird, though, because I'd been in those... I'd obviously grown up with Swifty, so he knew how fast I was. I'd grown up with... Raced with Gilbert for the last four years in the same team. 
So he sort of knew how fast I was. Alain Philippe, I had no idea. He was a stagiaire. had no idea who he was. So I didn't know how good he was. Apart from he was the only one that followed Gilbert when he attacked. So I thought he must be quite good. Yeah. Um, and then Caruso, I wasn't worried about because he can't sprint. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was good. I just passed him really close when I started sprinting to not give him the option of being able to get on my wheel quickly. And it worked. Well, if if you're a British rider, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good, good place to... Uh, British... British rider to win a race on, on the mouse a pretty yeah, good I think place so, to win yeah. it. I think that and the nationals is probably the biggest race you can win as a in a British team. Yeah. So yeah, it was was and bloody good though. And you had white shorts. And I had white shorts after that, yeah, when I won the nationals. Everyone should have well, not everyone should have white shorts. Don't pull it off, do they? But no, it's, it's a tough one. This is what's wrong with British cycling that well not British cycling, with there's no I was chatting to a guy, Pingo, who works for HG's HJC helmets earlier. Yeah. No one has like a personality anymore, do they? You turn the telly on and everyone looks the same. Well, I guess Sagan is, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's a few. Alaphilippe well. is a very yeah. stylish rider, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. But, but there's no like individuals anymore in cycling, is there really? Everyone just looks like a carbon copy of the next guy. But they, which they, I think is a massive shame. There's always Cav, don't they? Yeah. I always like, so it's just pure racing, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. Uh, I just want to go out there and win, like, you know, <laughs> maybe throw my helmet out, out, out of coach if I don't win. Or, uh, <laughs> but Cavs are uncanny. He's still there. and I think there's definitely enough characters. I just there, think there are characters. Yeah, it's just you don't have the attitude you used to. Yeah. There's not a lot of attitude. You're right, you're right. Everyone compliments everyone on winning. And it's like, fair enough, everyone knows it's a good ride. But surely after you've crossed that finish line and you've lost... You should be pissed off that you've lost. Not straight away, oh, brilliant ride, mate, well done. Yeah. If I got second in, say I was riding Amstel and I was in Simon Clark's place, great result for him. But if Van der Poel beat me, I'd be like, fuck, that's so close. Like, fucking bastard. Do you know what I mean? But he's Do like, well done, mate, well done, straight away. And it's like, whoa, 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 you should be angry at him. Is be pissed off you've not won. S second place is great, but it's got to be the worst place First to loser. finish. First loser, isn't because it? Because you, you finish third, you go, great, I made the podium, yeah. right? Second, shit, should have won that. This is like nationals. It's worst place to be, second and fourth. Yeah. Second, because you don't get the jersey. Third, you're like, oh, right, I've got on podium. Fourth, I haven't got any of it. No. So second and fourth are first places, mm. especially second, so close. Have you enjoyed doing the uh, TV this year? Loved it, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think it's... Um, I think with Brad doing it especially, he's put like a whole new light into it and he's got his knowledge about everything which is deep really deep he knows a lot about a lot which is really good and he doesn't really let on how much he knows until you really get deep into a conversation with him then he suddenly you can't shut him up about it so yeah it's good when you do it with him but I think it's just nice to give a bit of insight into it and cut the bullshit out people are so sugar-coated of cycling these days everyone compliments everyone for doing this and everyone no one will say how it is it's like that's bullshit you should like that Addy Ingalls at the at the Giro this year, who's running the Jumbo Visma team, he was just useless. He's like miles behind the team. He'd basically lost Roglic, that Giro, I think. But no one would ever say that because when well, we don't want to upset him, it's like, come on, like, it was you've got 2019. There's got to be personality and there's got to be an opinion. That's like the first rule of like journalism. If you go in yeah, and you're yeah. just... Yeah, exactly. It's really good. And, and your shirts are lovely on there. I was going to yeah. say, uh, yeah, speaking of... Uh, yeah, criticism of that. Have you had much flack about your dress sense? Uh, you get the flack off the old boys that just wear like the 
like basically what Brian Smith was like, oh, you shouldn't be on TV and that, you shouldn't be doing that. It's like, all right, got one, <laughs> do one. Like, who made you the fashion police? Do you know what I mean? Though? They're the people that go and buy the same as everyone else. Yeah. It's like the Sims. They are the Sims. They've got blue jeans on, a black shirt, and that's all they ever wear. There's no individuality about it. If anyone's got blue jeans and a black shirt on... Oh, close. I'm looking <laughs> around now, there's a few. No, there's not. There's not. Look around now, everyone's wearing something different. No one's in the same stuff. There's a lot of people complaining because you're wearing something that they wouldn't wear. And it's like, yes, because I'm not you, you bellend. And it really <laughs> winds me up, though, because it's like... I'm not going and telling your missus that she's wearing the wrong thing. Don't have a go at me because you don't like what I'm wearing. It wouldn't do for everyone to be saying. Yeah, exactly. Should I just slur that again? No one... (laughs) (laughs) Slur that one? No Uh, one loves individuality these days. No. And I think that's the problem. It is the bloody big problem. problem. It does my head in. So is that what you're going to be doing more of? Have you got any other plans? What what else are you going to be doing? You're not riding your bike? Yeah, I'm going to be... No one knows this yet. So I'm going to be an ambassador for Genesis, Madison Genesis. So I'm going to be on their bikes and doing bits for them. Uh, I'm also going to be marketing, product marketing executive for Chapter 3. So I'm going to help with designing a bit of their kit, doing a marketing for them and probably designing a few bits of my kit which i'll be working along with stuart you're not going to help design them sorry mate but you'll be there to model them so they're going to be my main jobs well chapter three is lovely stuff but it's quite restrained it is restrained yeah it's it's it's, uh you know subtle colors subtle cuts yeah Yeah. um yeah do you have plans to change that are you gonna i don't think it's plans to change that i think it's just um remolding the brand a little bit i think everyone's got an opinion of chapter three and what it is and it's a fantastic beautiful brand but i think it just needs to be a bit more mainstream mainstream in a in a very individual way if that makes sense um so hopefully i'm going to bring a bit of that spice into that company hopefully. i think i think it's going to bring bring a bit of you uh, yeah exactly to it yeah. as well and it's uh, it's you know it's, it's quite it's, it's, it's an exciting brand, I think. And, and but this is what, I'm really excited to do the Chapter 3 stuff because I've never had a proper job. And I've got, like, I've got to do emails and stuff now, which I've never had to do before, so it's going to be exciting. Good luck with it. Cheers. Good luck with that. Good luck with the TV. And Thank hopefully you. Um, we'll still be seeing and hearing from you I over the next so, few yeah. years. Cool. Fingers crossed. I'm Mark Williamson, and I've been a Lacquer customer since the start of 2019, so about eight months now. So I was on this new bike and stopped off at a coffee shop at a hotel just to send a few emails and make a call. Came out and found someone had taken off um, the headset at the front. They'd cut the braking gear cables, they'd unscrewed the handlebars and stolen the, the, the bars and shifters. Lacquer were phenomenal, actually. I was blown away by both the immediacy and the kind of helpfulness of the support. They seemed keen to help. Uh, and it was just a remarkably hassle-free experience. I couldn't have been happier with the service, despite being incredibly frustrated that somebody had decapitated my uh, my new bike. And you can find out more about Lacquer on their website, laka.co.uk. Well, you just heard um, Adam Blythe with contributions throughout from uh, Ruler's own Stuart Clapp, who is actually on the line now. Stuart, what have you been up to since the last time we actually spoke to you? I've been up to loads of stuff. That's really funny because that feels like the Ruler Classic feels about a thousand years ago now. 
what you couldn't see in that interview is that like Adam's posture while he was talking to us when he did that. It was the most unguarded body language you've ever seen. But uh, yeah, that, that was what. So what have I done? I've done. Uh, I've got a new bike. I can come back to that in a minute. Let's talk about Rouleur stuff first. We had uh, the last issue of the year came out. We did it at the BMX track. Down in Peckham. Yeah, that was one in Peckham. I used to live around the corner from there in Camberwell, actually, many, many moons ago. It was actually quite cold that day. but um, And I did take my Brompton over um, over the pump track, which was... Um, yeah, Brompton's not really designed for that, are they? I managed to keep it upright, but um, manuals were out of the question. Two years ago now, I suddenly realised that I had never, ever in my life ridden a BMX, even sat on a... BMX I've done or not that you sit on them really but I've done every other sort of biking but not and uh, my uh, club was actually running uh, like a morning uh, introductory morning at um, Peckham BMX track it's great fun isn't it I wish I'd uh, done it a few years before it's a really hard workout because when we're over there the guy that was running it while we were doing the shoot because basically what, what I do on the shoot is sort of get stuff out and show people and then and then that's it. And then we, we just get stuck in. So there's a bit of downtime for me because I'm not in it. And Benedict's obviously shooting the pictures. So I went in the stock cupboard and the guy wheeled out a couple of different BMXs for me to have a go on. And, um, yeah, they were much better than the Brompton. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really good. Really good fun. But have you read Robbie McEwen's book? No. Because he was saying about how he gets all his, um, like, his sprinting um, uh, like skills from that he he puts it down to when he was he grew up on BMX and he was saying about how if you want your kid to be a really good cyclist get them into BMX really early because it's so explosive, but it's such a workout like I, I I like I can go for a ride you know I could knock out a three hour ride I mean with at least four maybe five cafe stops around it but I I can do that I could go out and ride all day but a couple of laps of the BMX track. <laughs> It's really hard work. It's so physical, especially when you're like built like most, you know, a lot of cyclists are, where you're built upside down. You're like little like T-Rex. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, really good fun. Interesting location because we've never done anything like that before, and I'm actually surprised we haven't because it was, you know, it's not far from our office for starters. But um, we've done another one. I've just done the shoot for twenty point one, which is. I actually found – this leads on quite nicely because I've got my new bike. And it's a gravel bike, is it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've got a gravel bike now. Well, an all-road bike. See, a couple of years back, I went to the launch of the Factor Vista down in the New Forest. One of those things where you go, do I need this bike? But I went down there anyway, checked it out because uh, Factor do some interesting bikes. They do a lot of interesting engineering things on bikes. So I was down there anyway. And um, went to check it out, and I rode round on it on on the road, and then we went through the woods, uh, and I was riding with Adam Blythe, funny enough, and he was riding it like he was riding a mountain bike, you know, flying over everything. Then got back on the road, and Miller, this is such a name drop, isn't it? But David Miller had punctured front tire, and he said, right, let's place race the puncture back, tubeless, you know, trying to get back. The tire was going down. Anyway, hacked it back. It was about four or five miles. And we smashed it back through and off on, on the road back to the hotel to beat the puncture from going down. Right. Anyway, so we did that. And I got back and other journalists were there from all around cycling. They're going like, I don't get it. Why do I need this? Why don't I have a mountain bike and a road bike? I was like, 
but it kind of does a bit of both. I've been calling it my N minus three. Does that mean you're going to sell bikes? Yeah. Well, I'm, I might sell them. I might just pay them forward. Because you know when you sort of have a bike and you go to sell it, and you, it may be like a super bike. You might have this fantastic bike from 2012, 11, 10 or whatever. But then when it actually comes to sell it, you, you're like, this isn't worth like it's 10 speed durace i've got on one of them like people don't want that anymore i'll have it yeah i might i'd send it your way you hang on you fit you would fit one of them wouldn't you right that's it there you go sold right there you go i'll bring it over but um no i'm gonna get rid of a couple of bikes just to clear a bit of space because i've got you know this i've got two two sets of wheels now for the vista factor vista that i've got i've gone grx one by group set on it and I've got a set of DT Swiss wheels with Gravel King SKs, like knobbly tyres for off-road. And then I've got another set, the black ink ones, with the, the slick Gravel Kings that I just use as my winter bike now. So there's, that's it. My, win, my need for a winter bike's gone. And I've got an off-road bike in one. Perfect solution. Actually, the shoot for 20.1 came out of the fact that I got this bike because I was wondering what to do with it. Um, like the shoot for 20.1. I thought, oh, we should just do, do another gravel because there are so many cool, there were loads of cool gravel bikes at the Ruler Classics. So I thought, oh, I should get some of those in. So we've done that. And the how I found the location for it was on a gravel bike ride. We went out across the field, actually not far from me in deepest, darkest Essex. And we came across a... Um, an old mill like it's just like a bit of a graffiti yard now like people are just it's wasteland when it, when i say mill don't think like victorian mill this is like 1950s it looks proper eastern block and there's asbestos everywhere so uh providing no one kicked it i gather we'll be all right but we've done the shoot over there and uh i'm well happy with it do you want to know why why is that I've got twin boys in it. What, doing the modelling? How odd is that? Good? Right, think, you know, like Benedict's photography is a bit out there anyway, isn't it? But, and with this creepy, weird location, looks a little bit like Chernobyl. I've got twin boys. That's going to be weird, isn't it? I've, but it looks weird. There's like proper, they look like Russian, I don't know, it looks like the Pet Shop Boys or something, they look, although they look more like the Proclaimers. But, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it should be, yeah, should be good. Cool, we're looking forward to that. Anything else on the horizon? You're talking about going to Paris-Roubaix, is that right? I am. I'm not necessarily a sportive guy because, uh, I mean, I think we've said this before, they don't pack the roads up afterwards. You can still ride them. They're still there. But when you have a sportive or, or, or like, the day before, like Flanders... Right, and things like that. They're worth doing because it's part of the whole festival, isn't it? Then you can ride it and you experience what the riders are going to go through the day after. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Adam Blythe, again, Adam's all over this podcast. He's the ubiquitous Adam Blythe. He um, sent me a message earlier saying, um, am I up for doing the Paris-Roux baseball team with him? So, uh, yeah, we're going to do that in April or whatever it is. April, yeah. Fingers crossed it doesn't rain then. Oh, no. I don't want it to rain. I'm going to take my Vista. I don't want to get it dirty. Well, thanks for that, Stu. Good to talk to you again. Uh, that's it from this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch you again before the end of the month.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.